This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 97. Submission number 018. Saturday Night Live, the Dumanian season. Saturday Night Live, the Dumanian season, aired on NBC Late Night from November 15th, 1980 to April 11th, 1981, for a total of 13 episodes. So we were going to do this show, this particular episode, a few months ago. But then Fred Silverman died, and it sort of threw off the schedule. But And then the coronavirus happened, and then... Uh, 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 bottom line is, this was supposed to be the week of the season premiere, which was delayed to October 3rd. Chris Rock is hosting, by the way. And here we are. But hey, if you're listening on Place to Be Nation Pop, it's either the week of or the week after he hosted. So I guess this is timely. There you go. Okay, so if we're going to talk about Saturday Night Live, I suppose we should go back to the beginning, and when I say back to the beginning, I mean all the way back to the beginning. Oh, yes, because this Wait. Saturday Night Live created, co-created by Lord Michaels and Dick Ebersol in 1975, mm-hmm. yep. and it ran for five very successful seasons with uh, some, of the, some of the great sketches in comedy history, and some of the greatest cast members in the history of the show. Dan Aykroyd! Chase! Chase! John Belushi, Bill Murray, Jane Curtin, Gilda Radner, Garrett Morris, Lorraine Newman, and, and for, one, for one season, Harry Shear. And for one episode, uh, uh, George Coe or Michael McDonald? Or... George Coe. George yeah, Coe? Yeah, okay. Woodha- Woodhouse from uh, Archer was in it for like one episode. Rest in peace, George Coe. Anyway, yes. 1980 rolls around, and it seems like everybody is suffering from burnout. I mean, this happens when you've been doing five years of a live broadcast very successfully. Lauren Michaels was starting to get burned out, and uh, the, the cast members, they were all exiting their contracts. So so what happens with NBC is that they decided, you know what? And this is when Fred Silverman decides we should reinvent Saturday Night Live for the 80s. Well, before that, though, remember, who was originally going to be the executive producer of season six of Saturday Night Live? It was supposed to be the uh, uh, um, Tom Davis. It was going. I believe it was going to be Al Franken and Tom oh, Davis. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Al Franken and Tom Davis. It, and he would have gotten the job, but there was uh, something happened in the 1979 season. Oh yeah, a famous skit on Weekend Update with Al Franken called "A Limo for the Lamo," mm-hmm. where basically Al Franken tore Fred Silverman to shreds. And now to talk about himself is Weekend Update Social Sciences Editor Al Franken. Al. (laughs) 
Thanks, Jane. Since the Al Franken decade started, uh, a lot of people have been coming up and asking what they can do for me, Al Franken. Now, the other day I was standing outside Rockefeller Center trying to get a cab, and I was thinking about what I was going to do for this week's spot, and I came up with this, this great idea. It's a hilarious idea. And then some guy walks up to me and he says, Hey, Al Franken, I'm sorry to bother you, but I'd just like to say I really enjoy your work. So I say, get lost, I'm trying to think. So the guy leaves, by, by this time, I've forgotten the idea. This great idea I'd be doing for you now if it hadn't been for this scum who interrupted my thought process. Okay, so I get in the cab and I start thinking, how did this happen to me, Al Franken? <laughs> and I figured it happened because I was trying to get a cab. I should have a limousine. I mean, let's be reasonable. Here I am, Al Franken, one of NBC's few bright spots, and I'm forced to compete for taxis with you ordinary people out on the street. So I start thinking, who does NBC give limos to anyway? Okay, now there are some cast members here on Saturday Night Live who do get limousine service from NBC, and I'm not going to complain about that. These people are my friends, and it would seem a bit petty. But Garrett? Okay, anyway. I found out that NBC gives limousines to Tom Snyder and to Gary Coleman. Now, taste aside, these guys do star in their own shows, so I can't really complain about them either. But now get this. You know who gets complete door-to-door -door limousine service from NBC? Fred Silverman. Now, here is a guy who is a total, unequivocal failure. Okay. Uh, the guy's been here two years, and he hasn't done diddly squat. Okay, and he gets a limo. Now, here's a list, okay, of the top ten rated shows this season in TV. Now, there's, there's some A's there, some B's, some C's, some uh, S's. You see those? You see any N's? No. Not one N. Why? Because Silverman is a lame -o. But he still gets limousine service. I like to call it a limo for the limo. Okay, now this is where you come in and you can help me, Al Frank. I want all of you to write NBC and pressure them to get me a limousine. Now, just send a letter or postcard to Get Al Franken a Limo, care of Fred Silverman, NBC TV, 30 Rockefeller Plaza, New York, New York, 10020. Now, this is very important. Write this address down now. Get a pencil and paper and write it down. Here, I'll wait for you. And rightly so, because if you remember, NBC in 1979, NBC loud as a peacock. Play the clip. Is all 
Supposedly, according to legend, Don Imus played that clip on his show on WNBC radio, and he got reamed for it. Yeah. You have the background information. So, Lauren Michaels is heading out the door. Al Franken and Tom Davis were about to take the seat when Fred Silverman decided, yeah, no. Nope. Lauren Michaels, now, Lauren Michaels did not get this news firsthand. I mean, he just found out that they were going with a new executive producer. It wasn't going to be Tom Davis or Al Franken. No. It was going to be his associate, Lauren Michaels' associate producer from the previous season, Gene Domanian. Yes, and for those of you who don't know who Gene Domanian is... She is a, a longtime collaborator with Woody Allen, I believe. Mm-hmm. Gene DeMadeen was tapped by Silverman to be the new executive producer when the show started up in 1980. Uh, this came as a shock to everybody. This came as an absolute shock to everybody. So in almost in solidarity, the entire cast decided... You know what, Lauren? We're with you. And we're leaving the show. Except uh, the entire cast and everybody on the writing staff except for one person. And that would be Brian Doyle Murray. So here's Gene Domanian and one writer. Has to start over from scratch. Now, if you're a comedian in Los Angeles in 1980, hey or not even Los Angeles, New York. If you're a comedian in America in 1980... Oh, this is your chance. This is your big chance. This is your big chance for stardom. And I'll tell you right now, uh, among, the, among the names considered, oh. James Carey... Wait a minute. Who? James Carey? Yeah. James Carey. Jim Carey. Oh, that guy. Of, oh, past hear, insta- I... of past installment, The Doc Factory. Oh, and, and by the way, I, I heard that he's, uh, if you've been hearing the news, I hear he's got a certain role in this season of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> wink, wink. Yes, he does. Wink, wink, nod, nod, nudge, nudge. Hey, here's a make good for 40 years ago. The second person considered was a guy who's been on SNL more times than I even remember. John Goodman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's in the Five Timers Club. Yeah, he's, he was in the Five Timers Club, but he was actually performing with the cast when he wasn't hosting the show. I mean, he's, it's, it's like if you were to do a great sort of billboard of SNL alums, he would be grandfathered in. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, 
he was seemingly in like the 1997-98 season playing Linda Tripp like every single week. Yes, he was. Oh my yeah, god! To the point, to the point where they actually made fun of it with Don Pardo calling him a former cast member. With John saying, well, uh, "Don, I was never in the cast," and Don saying, "Good lord, you sure do work a lot here for a guy who doesn't work for the show." <laughs> <laughs> And then there's and then another name that was considered was a guy by the name of Paul Rubens. Now you may now if you were in 1980 and you heard of Paul Rubens, you may have remembered his episode on the Gong Show. His episode, he was on like five episodes of the Gong Show. He was on five episodes of the Gong Show. Well, well, we'd we'd have to we'd have to go to our good friend Adam Needif about this, but I'm pretty sure he was on at least three episodes. Uh, Oh yeah, because Adam Adam, for those of you don't know, has watched every episode of the Gong Show, and we're not joking about that. No, he's he's literally watched every episode of the Gong Show. We're talking about the original Gong Show not true don blue or mike myers although those are really good watches too and also we should mention paul rubens uh who is star of future installment you don't know jack oh let's yeah. cheat them i mean let's meet them now anyway so those were some of the names that were actually considered to be on the show so who did john so who did gene Dumanian ultimately hire I'm gonna do my. I'm gonna do my best. Um, I'm gonna do my best. Don Pardo here, <clears throat> starring Denny Dillon. Wait, wait, Denny Dillon. A future installment. Women in prison. A future installment. Women in prison. Gilbert Gottfried. You mean Gilbert Gottfried, the co-host of popular podcast? Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast? That would be the one, Gregory. Gail Mathias. Who? Bobby's mom on Bobby's World. Oh, okay. Joe Piscopo. Oh, you mean the Joe Piscopo from the CD-ROM game Multimedia Celebrity Poker with Jonathan Frakes and Morgan Fairchild? Yes, Anne Risley. To this day, nobody knows who Anne Risley is. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> and Charles Rocket. Wait, 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 wait. You mean? No, wait, not that Rocket. I was no, thinking of something no, no. else. No, he's not. He didn't say Johnny Rocket. He said Charles Rocket. <laughs> You'll find out about that joke in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. Okay, now, but, uh, now, and this is what, and, and SNL historians Doug Hill and Jeff Weingrad said that they were still missing one key cast member. Gene still wanted what, what they called an ethnic. Gene was looking for a black person. Oh, Oh, yeah, it makes sense because Garrett Morris isn't there anymore. Yeah. So uh, Jean wanted – Jean had her eye on Robert Townsend, now allegedly. That, well, that would have – you know what? That would have been a bad choice. No, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been a bad choice. Uh, Robert Townsend was uh, really good. In fact, he's a future installment, Townsend Television, where he's actually doing sketch comedy his way. Yeah, and, of course, Hollywood Shuffle. Come on. 
Now, wait a second. If we're talking about that Robert Townsend... Meteor uh, Man. Meteor well, Man, come on. No, 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 no. You don't even know where I'm going with this. So okay, just, go ahead. okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Slow go ahead. your roll. We're, we're talking about Robert Townsend, who uh, owned at least one TV station at some point, or, or a cable channel. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you know what he's responsible for? Future installment, $1,000 B. <laughs> I said it, the $1,000 B. You're welcome. What the hell is the $1,000 B? Oh, my God. Uh, Greg, 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 have you been living under a rock for the last 15 years? Greg, Greg, it's exactly what you think it is. It's a spelling B, and at the end, somebody has $1,000 to show for it. No, that's the season prize. The top prize is $1,000. Oh, oh, wait a minute. That's the... You're 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 in a ridiculous spelling bee for a thousand dollars for the entire season. Okay, so so she wanted Robert Townsend. She was leaning toward hiring somebody named Charlie Barnett, but there was one more person that they wanted to see from Roosevelt, Long Island, up around your way, Greg. Well, I mean, well, that's all the way in Nassau County. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's close a, ni- a 19-year-old by the name of Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah. They hired Eddie Murphy. Yeah. He premiered on the fourth episode. Yeah, and a and very young Eddie Murphy. I mean, he was ni- yeah, he was 19. That's my He had the record for the youngest person on cast until Anthony Michael Hall joined up. Oh, yeah. And, if, and Pete Davidson has got to be close, because when did he, like, debut? Like, when he was, like, 2021? Pete Davidson was born uh, November 16th, 1993, and uh, he would have started SNL uh, 2014, so he would have been 20. 21. Well, well, it would have started, like, September, October of, of 14, so he would have been late in his uh, – late at 20. Late 20. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a friggin' pup. And I, I, he's only 26. I don't believe that. He's, it seems like he's been on forever. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. He's now getting to be like one of those long-standing vets. Oh, yeah. At the ripe old age of 26? Now, I, I, I put the, the, the inflection in there because, yeah, calling somebody a, a, an old vet at 26 is awkward. But yeah, I mean, he, he's been around now for, looks like this is going to be his eighth season, I think, or seventh season. That's crazy, man. That is crazy. Time, Time flies. Yeah. Well, also, if you go to either NBC.com, or I'm not sure if, I don't know if the Peacock app has them, but you can find some sketches from the sixth season of uh, SNL on there. So after we released this episode, it turned out that Peacock recently put up all 46 seasons worth of episodes of SNL on the Peacock app. So the episodes from season six exist either full or partially on the app, given maybe some musical performances are edited out for licensing reasons or whatever. But yeah, the episodes from season six are on there with the rest of SNL. Okay, so we have the players. Now we need writers. Among the writers, uh, some of the more... Well, Bridal Murray is... Uh, I guess you could say the senior writer, but I don't think it was the I don't think it was the head writer. But anyway, Terry Sweeney, who had joined the cast 
later. In 85. In 85, yeah. He was a writer. Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour and writer and musician Mason Williams was the first head writer. Oh, the guy who did Classical Gas? Yes, the guy who did That's Classical the guy Gas. Who did classical Gas. He was the head writer. I'll do Classical Gas. He didn't last long as the head writer because uh, I guess the uh, there's a there's a saying in Hollywood. We got we uh, parted ways over creative differences. I was creative and she was different. Also on the writing staff, you have uh, a rehired Michael O'Donohue. That's the name I was trying to remember from season one, Michael O'Donohue. Oh wait, you mean Mr. Mike Michael O'Donohue? Mr. Mike Michael O'Donoghue, yeah. Uh, we also have David Hurwitz. I'm sure I should remember him from something. Uh, Mitchell Craigman, who went on to create Clarissa Explains It All. Ooh. And I don't know who Dirk Wittenborn is, but I'm about to find out. Okay. He produced the Emmy-nominated HBO documentary Born Rich. Mm. But aside from that, a whole lot of nothing. Uh, another name among writers, <laughs> somebody took it under their wing to contribute to this effort. Gene Domanian was a writer. Oh, wow. Why? Why? Maybe because the writing was so bad. So, yeah. But, but Gene Domanian, uh, it says, uh, was a writer, part of the writing staff for 12 episodes, the first 12. Uh-huh. And I think we know what happened on episode 13. Uh-huh. Or, or what happened after episode 12, we should say, but... We'll get yeah. to that later. Okay. Yes. Anyway, yes, yes. Um, okay. So let's go over some episodes here, because uh, we'll, 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 we'll go over the episodes, and there's going to be some sketches that they start out brilliant, and then they just go from there. Yeah, let's start. Let's okay. start we'll start with the first episode, but before we do that, it should be noted that the first episode of this season was November 15th, from New York, Saturday Night Live is live again. Saturday Night Live, the next generation premieres Saturday, November 15th. And the reason for that was 1980 was a presidential election year, as is today. But back then in 1980, NBC would use Saturday Night Live studio, Studio 8H, for election coverage. So mm-hmm. that's why the season went into mid-November when it started. Mm-hmm. Okay, so episode one, uh, hosted by Elliot Gould with musical guests Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Now, this was an act. This actually began very brilliantly. There, uh, Did it? Wait, well, I'm going to disagree it, with that. I thought the open well, was lame. Uh, I don't know. If, well, well, depend. Well, you know, your mileage may vary here. Elliot Gould was Elliot Gould was in bed with the with the entire cast. And they were basically sort of comparing themselves to the original Not Ready for Primetime players. Like, um, Gail, he told Gail Mathias that he's kind of a cross between Jane and Gilda. And then Charles was like, well, I'm a cross between Chevy and Bill. And then, hi, I'm Ann Risley. I'm a cross between Gilda and Lorraine. 
<laughs> then you're gonna love this. Oh, this is the best. <laughs> this was this was. Uh, I am Gil. I'm Gilbert Gottfried. I'm a cross between John and Belushi and that guy from last year who did the Rod Serling impression. <laughs> what a dig on Harry Shear, huh? Well, yeah. And I'm I'm Dan, who are you? I'm Denny Dillon. And live from New York, it's Saturday night. You see, I didn't care for that open. Uh, just oh, because no. Because I think, I think in retrospect... That hurt it. Well, th- that hurt it. But also, again, in retrospect, you know, uh, knowing what happened this season and how much of a disaster this uh, season was, you know, hearing Gail Mathias say that she's a cross between Jane Curtin and Gilda Radner, okay, that... She isn't a cross between Jane Curtin's uh, uh, pinky toenail and uh, a hair in Gilda Radner's head. She she doesn't have that much talent. I'm sorry. Okay. Same with Charles Rocket, comparing himself to Chevy Chase and Bill Murray. And, I mean, I'll give Gilbert credit. That was funny. A cross between John Belushi and, and uh, Harry Shearer. <laughs> that was funny. But it wasn't – I mean, again, knowing what happened – it's like, okay, this is you know sort of brazen, sort of bold comparing yourselves to the previous cast. And I'm even surprised NBC and, and, uh, and Fred Silverman at that point would allow them to reference the previous cast. Well, there you go. I mean, they left in mass. I mean, the only person, as you said, that was left was Brian Doyle Murray. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we forgot to mention, this is like a parody of Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, mm-hmm. which L.A. Gould was in. Okay, and uh, we have uh, our first sketch is the requisite presidential sketch with uh, Rosalind Carter, played by Anne Risley, trying to seduce Jimmy Carter, played by Joe Piscopo, who is still impressed over his defeat in the 1980 presidential election, with Amy Carter, played by Denny Dillon. That's not funny. Uh, No. Next is the Rocket Report with Charles Rocket who is looking for information about John Lennon's upcoming album. Remember, this was about the time that John Lennon... Oh, yeah, we'll bring it up on the next episode. Oh, you know what? Let's just go on to the the next episode. Oh, yeah, because this is kind of timely. Because this is going to go... This is, like, indicative of how this season's going to go. Episode 2... Hosted by Malcolm McDowell with musical guest Captain Beefheart and his magic band. And it should be noted that recently on Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast, they did a two-part interview with Malcolm McDowell, and they brought up Malcolm's appearance on Saturday Night Live in 1980. <laughs> and Mike, do you want to describe? Because I played it before we started the episode for you. Go ahead, Mike. I, all I'm going to say, and Greg, you can fill in the, the gaps, is Malcolm uh, referred to one of the cast members as Johnny Rocket. <laughs> Johnny Rocket. So, so apparently Charles Rocket is now a, a 50s hamburger chain. A 50s hamburger chain. But I was going to – there was one sketch on the weekend update with Malcolm McDowell where he's playing – John Lennon and Denny Dillon's playing Yoko Ono. And this would be, and this is like 
obviously two weeks before John London was tragically murdered. So Malcolm McDowell in the podcast with Gilbert talked about how he always felt like horrible for it. And then like maybe for the, the maybe around the 20th anniversary of John Lennon's death, the BBC released like some old audio recordings with John Lennon the weekend before he died. And there was like this segment where uh, John Lennon's talking about, Oh yeah, me and Yoko, we were watching Saturday Night Live and they were, they were talking about us and we thought it was hilarious. Wasn't it Yoko? And Malcolm McDowell felt all of a sudden better for that because it's like, okay, John Lennon thought it was funny. Okay. Malcolm McDowell could not predict what would happen to John Lennon two oh, weeks no. later. No. So, so I, 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 I sort of don't understand why he, he feels so guilty. It's just total happenstance. Just Survivor's coincidence remorse, that, that two weeks later he, he gets murdered uh, in front of the Dakota. Yeah. Survivor's remorse, maybe. Because remember, Charlie Rocket was at the Dakota asking about John Lennon's new album. You're right about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Survive, perhaps Survivor's remorse. But that nearly wasn't the worst thing that came out of that episode. Oh, we're going to talk about Jack the Stripper? Sure, let's talk about Jack the Stripper. Malcolm McDowell and drag everybody. Doing his best Maggie Thatcher impression. And remember, folks, this was a year after he played H.G. Wells in Time After Time, where he hunted David Warner as Jack the Ripper. Oh, by the way, the 2017 series based on Time After Time is a future entry. Uh, but then you have a sketch called, and, uh, I ca- and this is the actual sketch title. Okay. Don't write letters. Do not write. Oh, no, I know where you're going. No, no, Chico, please. Well, all I can say is, yeah, that happens, and Gene Domanian let it happen. Uh, But also, we should make a positive out of this negative. We're not even going to mention the sketch because the title is that offensive. Oh, even in 2020, it's offensive. Oh, in 2020, it's especially offensive. In 2020, you get crucified. Yeah. We should note that in this sketch, Eddie Murphy made his first appearance on SNL. Oh, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. But one bright spot of this episode, Joe Piscopo, Saturday Night Sports. Yeah! So th- I guess this was the... Genesis, this episode was as bad as it was, and many people have said that this was the worst episode of Saturday Night Live ever. Of course, this was before the uh, 20th anniversary season, which is going to be a future entry, by the way. This was the genesis of the Joe Piscopo-Eddie Murphy friendship. Episode 3, hosted by Ellen Burstyn, with musical guests Aretha Franklin and Keith Sykes. Two really good sketches. One was the short film based on the song Fish Heads. Fish Heads. That's Bush Heads. Fish Heads. Fish Heads. Eat them up. Yum. Classic. <laughs> yep. And then Eddie Murphy actually has his speaking debut as a commentator on Weekend Update. And he was commentating about basketball players. Yeah. And it is one of the funniest things this entire season. Oh, yeah. And you could tell right away Eddie Murphy was like, like... This guy, watch this. It was like, people were backstage going, 
watch this guy. This guy's gonna be a star. This guy's gonna be so. This guy's somebody special. Yep. This guy's gonna make it. Yeah, they knew they had somebody special aboard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one thing I want to note about Fish Heads: who directed Fish Heads? Um, I have no idea who directed Fish Heads. Bill Mummy. Oh, he he directed it. I he thought did. he was just in it. He directed it, and you know who else was in it? Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton, yes, R.I.P. Bill Paxton mm-hmm. would later be on SNL in 1988 with one of the funniest <laughs> sketches, in my opinion, of that year, 97, 98. The, my, remember this: the sketch with uh, on MSNBC with all the Chiron on the screen. I remember that, and, and the thing is, I didn't watch much SNL around that period. I was a mad TV guy around that time, but I remember that sketch, yes. Yeah, and if you were watching MSNBC in 1997-98, that is exactly what it was back then. It had, like, Chiron all over the place. Yeah, you're not wrong. You are not wrong, no. Let's take a call, but first, let's see a picture of the Terminator robot. (laughs) That's cool. Episode four. Yes! Oh my god. Oh you're oh you're ready for this. You're ready for this. Oh yeah. Jamie hosted by Jamie Lee Curtis with musical guest James Brown, Hetman, and Ellen Shipley. Yeah. That is a that's a dynamite right there. Jamie Lee Curtis. Fresh I believe Halloween two might have been out at that point. No, it was uh the original Halloween. Yeah, I mean original, maybe... original Halloween was seventy eight. Seventy eight. Okay, so it was so it was Halloween two. Okay. Yeah, Halloween two was around that time and you got James Brown. Come on. It's like uh, it was like I was I was just waiting for somebody to say, and now ladies and gentlemen, are, and now ladies and gentlemen, it is start time. Are you ready for start time? Uh correction, Halloween two was actually eighty one, so a year <laughs> off. But uh-huh. still she was riding high. I mean, yep. Halloween was a big hit back in 78. Hey, yeah. I'll but, but tell you also, what. I'll tell you what. Halloween got her the match game in 1980. Uh, you, and 78, I believe. Yeah. And Pyramid. $20,000 Pyramid she was on. Oh, I didn't mm. know she was on Pyramid. Oh, she oh, was yeah. on $20,000 Pyramid. Oh, yeah. Uh, and also, it doesn't hurt that she's uh, the daughter of uh, Tony Curtis. Oh, royalty in Hollywood. Oh, yes. oh yeah. And Janet Lee. Why does everybody forget Janet? Lee? Everyone forgets about Janet Lee. Yeah. Okay. Nobody should forget about Janet Lee. All right. And uh, on this episode, we actually have Matthew Lawrence as a cast member. Uh, Matthew Lawrence, a uh, future, a st- future entry duet, and and Patrick Weathers. I have no idea who that guy is. Yeah. Oh, but who appears in a black and white film short? Danny DeVito. Frank Reynolds? Wait, you mean Ango Gablogian? <laughs> no, he means the warthog from that episode of It's Always Sunny. Bullshit. Bullshit. Derivative. Derivative. Hey, you gotta pay the troll toll if you want to get in. Oh my gosh. Oh, boy. But we'll talk about Frank Reynolds somewhere down the line. Oh, my hey, gosh. By, by Frank Reynolds, we all we mean him and the ABC newscaster, Frank Reynolds. Okay. No, no relation. No. No. But can you imagine what would, ha- what would it be if Danny DeVito was actually related to Frank Reynolds, the ABC newscaster? It'd be like a, it would be like another twin situation with him and Arnold. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Yeah, got to clean the pellet off after that one. Well, we have the Christmas episode coming up next. Oh, and who and who who speaks Christmas more than David Carradine? Guy from Kung Fu. Yeah, the guy from Kung Fu, and musical guest Linda Ronstead. And with the with the cast of the Pirates of Penzance, I yeah. am not joking. Oh my God! Yes, they performed a medley of tunes, including "I Am the Very Model of a Modern Major General." Colin Baker did it better in a Big Finish audio for Doctor uh, Who. Oh, is there not one maiden breast? <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, that! Oh, is there not one maiden breast, or a wandering one? And go ye heroes, and a medley of Christmas carols, featuring O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, Joy to the World, and the First Noel. Uh, also featured a Bill, a Mr. Bill film. Oh yeah, Mr. Bill. Oh, can't, no. We can't forget about Mr. Bill. No. So, so Mr. Bill actually got retained. Uh, in season six, I find that very interesting. Well, I thought Mr. I thought Mr. Bill would have gone uh, once everybody else he, left. Yeah, you would have thought he was gone with uh, with Lauren. With Lauren. Yeah, but... you'd think that. Oh, and guys, I know why David Carradine was on this episode. Why was oh, David Carradine oh, on, this no. on, the, on the Christmas episode? Why? why? Well, him and uh, and the, the Christmas stockings had something in common. They were both hung. Oh no! 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 Fuck that! Fuck yeah, that's not making the final cut. I just had to say Fuck that. Fuck that! I just had to say that. Fuck that! Well, okay, I gotta see Dave. Uh, uh, Gre- oh, Greg! Oh! <laughs> oh, Greg! Oh, for heaven's sakes! <laughs> you know a joke is bad when I'm double face <laughs> Yes, when you're like this. No, that's a bad joke. Okay, okay, okay. Bring oh, it back, y'all. That's the outtake episode. Episodes. Oh, I mean, I got a lot to. Say. I got something to say about this host. Okay, Ray Sharkey with musical guest Jack Bruce and friends. Now, Ray Sharkey is was. Was known well for a lot of uh, movie roles. Um, he was nominated. I believe he was nominated, or no, he won a Golden Globe at this time in '81 for *The Idol Maker* for best motion picture actor in a musical or comedy. But Ray Sharkey was the villain on the first half of season one of *Wise Guy*, playing Sonny Steelgrave. Hmm. Okay. And it, Yes, because as I mentioned in one of the previous episodes when we talked about Jonathan Banks and Into the Sanford Verse, I talked about how after Double Dare, I was wanted to watch Ken Wall and Wise Guy, and I watched binge the first half of season one. And Ray Schrocky is absolutely incredible as the villain in se- the first half of season one of Wise Guy. It, it's especially the final episode of that arc. That is probably the best one of the best hours of television I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So watch that on the Film Rise YouTube channel, everybody. There you go. Among the sketches, we have Wasp Interpreter, Tommy 
torture. Tommy torture. With uh, Debbie playing a dominatrix, I'm guessing. Oh. Citizens for a Better America with Gilbert Godfrey as Dr. Sven Gazzara. Is, is that a parody of Ben Gazzara? I think so. <laughs> uh, Gail Mathias' first turn as co-anchor of Update. So yeah, she would be doing it with Charles, I think. Yep. And a commercial for... Uh, 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 it's just a commercial. It, whatever it is, include ring size, trace your face, red, blue, green, or natural oak. It's here. No moving parts. Nine ninety nine. It's here to box zero. New York, New York, New York. Nine 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 nine. I imagine he delivered that incredibly quickly. Hmm. Yep. Uh, Eddie Murphy, because the, because the show is running short. Eddie Murphy decided to deliver a five-minute monologue called Black People Fighting. Uh, I'm going to add Tommy Torture. Looking uh, at a site here, it looks like Tommy Torture was a a heavy metal band of sorts. Oh. Ray Sharkey played Tommy Torture, and then other band members, uh, I'm guessing these are band members from the uh, Saturday Night Live band were... uh, we're in the sketch. It doesn't uh, have any of the featured players uh, playing any of the band members. Uh, you had Patrick Weathers as a waiter. Uh, Charles Rocket was in it. Uh, Matthew Lawrence was a club owner. So it had nothing to do with S&M. Uh, it had to do no, with... That's, looks, like, that's it looks another, like heavy metal. I guess that's another episode, because I remember Denny Dillon played a... Yes, I know what you're talking about. I, I know what you're talking about. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. But that's another episode. That, that, that's somewhere down the road. Yeah, but yeah, yeah but, well, well, we talked about Eddie doing the stand-up monologue, right? <laughs> yeah, because he he did it late. He didn't he mock Garrett Morris in it. Yes, and Stevie Wonder, <laughs> and Stevie Wonder, and Bill Cosby. And, <laughs> this was before we knew what this, we know now. This is before we knew what we know now in 2020. Yeah. Uh, Han- Hannibal Burris was not around, obviously, in 1980 to tell us the truth. <laughs> Eddie Murphy was Hannibal Burris before Hannibal Burris was Hannibal Burris. Just saying. A note we got after we originally recorded and released the episode. This came from our Facebook page, and it was from a listener, Mark Bittleman. And he wrote about that segment with Eddie Murphy that Eddie's mocking of Garrett on Weekend Update in a riff was on the possibility of reviving the draft. So we're going to play that segment with Eddie right here for you on the director's cut version of this episode. It's a new year, which means there's a whole new crop of 18 and 19 year olds who have to register for the draft by December. Here with a comment is our own 19 year old Eddie Murphy. Eddie. How you doing? My name is Eddie Murphy. I'm 19 years old and this is my comment. I don't want to be drafted. I'm very serious about this. It's not that I'm afraid of war or anything like that. I don't mind getting shot every now and then. It doesn't bother me. It's just that I have certain obligations here at Saturday Night Live. If I get drafted, who's going to be the token black on Saturday Night Live? Huh? I'm asking you this question seriously. Who's going to do great Negro impressions on the show like Stevie Wonder? Who's going to do great Negro impressions on the show like Bill Cosby? 
What do you say to your mother when she brings you a bowl of jello? I'm telling you, look, if you want, you want a tough soldier, you want to draft somebody that's really tough, mean, serious business, mess you up, this dude that you should draft, it's very, his very name scares the hell out of me. This is the guy right here. This is your man. Get this guy, Garrett Marks. <laughs> serious business. I know he's a little over age, but word has it he has a lot of free time right now. Back to you, Charlie. <laughs> Episode 7, host Karen Black, musical guests Cheap Trick and the Stanley Clark Trio. Wait, you mean Karen Black from Airport 77? No, I mean Karen Black from Airport 75. What? Uh, The musical guest that week, well, there's two. Cheap Trick, how about that? Cheap Trick and the Stanley Clark Trio. I don't know who the Stanley Clark Trio is. It, it rings a bell, but um, well, Stanley Clark is a five-time Grammy winner, Ooh. 15 nominations. So, I mean, he obviously did something. Oh, right? and his electric bass is permanently on display at the Smithsonian. There you go. Museum of African-American History and Culture. Okay, hey, there you if go. you're in the Smithsonian, you have to have done something well. Yeah. Right. Uh, some of the sketches. Now, this aired on January 17th of 1981. And as you probably know, uh, later that week, uh, Ronald Reagan would be coming in as president and Jimmy Carter would be leaving. Mm-hmm. So guess what the opening sketch was about? Leaving it was the, the White House. It, it was the Carters moving out of the White House. And you had uh, Joe Piscopo playing Jimmy Carter and Ann Risley as Rosalind and Denny Dillon played Amy. And they're moving out of the White House. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, can't wait for Reagan to start up. Oh, by the way, look at this. Same episode. We have a uh, sketch with Ronald Reagan and Frank Sinatra. A- and follow this. Mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra was played, being played by Joe Piscopo. So he was Carter and now he's uh, Frank Sinatra. Ronald Reagan was played by Charles Rocket, and Gail Mathias played Nancy. Which, you know, I could totally see. And you know what? According to Helen Weingrad, this episode was, and now I'm quoting, actually funny all the way through. Yeah. uh, Among other sketches, there's a sketch about the Mona Lisa where Karen Black played the Mona Lisa. Uh, And there's a 60 Minutes uh, spoof Uh uh, with uh, Piscopo playing Dan Rather. Okay, that's that's a little tough no, for me I, to no, absorb. I could, no, I can totally see it. Okay, yeah, you can see it. I have okay. Now that I'm looking at the still of him uh, playing Dan Rather, I can see it too. Okay, wait, wait, Dan Rather hadn't been CBS Evening News anchor yet, right? Oh, he's no, about no, to be. it was still Cronkite. Uh, no, Cronkite no, was there till eighty one. Dan Rather wouldn't be the uh, the guy until March. Okay, so two months he would be. He yeah. might have just been announced as the uh, evening news anchor. Well, possibly, but again, this is a 60-minute spoof, and he was definitely yeah. on 60 Minutes. He was definitely on 60 Minutes in 81. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And then you have the Saturday Night Live action dolls. <laughs> Were they made by Mego? Probably. Oh, Probably. Migo had their hands in everything. You saw that episode of... Uh, I saw that Star Trek episode of The Toys the... Made Us. 
That was a good episode. Oh, that was a good episode. Especially Will that series, communi- Will series was pretty good. And especially that communicator where you opened it up, it would make that red alert noise annoying. <laughs> well, we had Karen Black on episode seven. Let's uh-huh. stay in the airport type of theme with episode eight. Uh, somebody who was starring in a little movie uh, in 1980 called Airplane. Yep, Robert you, Hayes. Yep. R- Robert Hayes. Yes. Robert Hayes. Future installment, Angie. Oh, yes. a- oh, yeah, absolutely. He was on Angie, too, uh, back in, like, 79. So he had Angie, and then he also had uh, Airplane at the time. So he was riding high. He was doing uh, very well at the time. Hey, you might say Robert Hayes was. Flying high. Wrong show, Greg. Oh, yeah. I think at this, uh, th- at this time, Connie Selica would have been on Great American Hero. The cold opening was Ted Koppel reporting America not held hostage anymore because, again... Oh, oh yeah, it was the same day as Reagan getting inaugurated. W- well, it wasn't the same day, but remember, when Reagan got inaugurated, the first thing he did was like promise that Iran would be blown off the face of the earth and all the hostages were released like immediately. So America not being held hostage anymore, you could look at it two ways, the hostages being released, but also America doesn't have Carter as president anymore. Yay. Uh, Okay. Uh, Another sketch was uh, love American style, Robert Hayes and a love doll. Yeah. Don't confuse this with the anthology show from the sixties and seventies. Yeah. Uh, and and this was actually the first episode where Eddie Murphy, who is in the next sketch after that, Saturday Night Live Sports Central, as a repertory player. Yes, he he became a cast member after this in this uh-huh. episode. And oh, oh God! Okay, you have the entire cast in the Save a Network telethon. Three guesses what network they're trying to save. And the first two don't count. And the first two don't count. Then you have Michael Nesmith as a an actor in a foreign film. So, Michael Nesmith of the Monkees. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh yeah, the, dis- the disco meltdown on, I'm guessing, something that looks like, <laughs> it looks like the disco on Super Train, I think. It sort of does. Yeah, it sort of does. And then uh, to uh, capitalize on two popular movies from that era, from 1980-81, there was a sketch called Ordinary Elephant People, which was a takeoff of Ordinary People and the Elephant Man. Oh, yeah. Because we don't talk about David Lynch enough on this podcast. No. Oh, jeez. That wasn't where I was going with that, but... Yeah, let's, let's let's make fun of the elephant man. Oh my god! Yeah, I think that's get. I think that's getting a Criterion Blu-ray soon. I'm not even joking. Okay, and uh, oh yeah, remember when we were talking about Eddie Murphy being promoted? He actually turned that into a stand-up. I guess they were. I guess they were running low. They were running short again. It's like, hey, Eddie, that worked last time. Do it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, musical, and yeah, musical performances by Joe King, Carrasco, and the Crowns, and fourteen Carrot Souls. So. Man, they went they went double booked on musical guests this season. They really did. 
and double booked on good musical guests. Oh yeah. No, especially when we get like three episodes from now. Uh, well, let's get to the next one. Sa- host Sally Kellerman, musical guest Jimmy Cliff. Now, Sally Kellerman would have been best known for playing Hot Lips Houlihan in the movie version of MASH. Mm-hmm. And uh, this would be the first cold opening with Ronald and Nancy, played by Charlene Gale, talking, and this one, they were actually talking about Ronnie's 70th birthday. <laughs> and... He makes a point to say his age is now at the average life expectancy for an American at that time. But but aside from that, I'm trying to... uh, Oh, game show parody. Name that sin. Because Name That Tune was in its final season then. Yeah. I wish they'd gotten Tom Kennedy for this. Oh, well, you can't no, get... No, he has standards. No. Okay. Don't, don't drag him into this train wreck. Okay. Uh, speaking of train wrecks, Iranian joke book. Oh. Oh, we can joke about that, though, because the hostages have been released. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, also, it's related, there's actually a mini film called The Day in the Life of a Hostage. Oh. Uh, no. Yeah. Oh, and even more related, there's a sketch called the Iranian Student Council. Oh, oh. okay, we get it. Uh, uh, I, I think we're. Uh, I think we better move on really fast. I, I feel uh, very dirty right now. Yeah, I have. A, oh, yeah, and Sally Kellerman actually did her own singing that th- this episode. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, there's your double act for the uh, for the musical guest. Mm-hmm. Speaking uh, oh, speaking of uh, host pulling double duty, next episode, Deborah Harry's hosting, and uh, and she's the musical guest with Funky Four Plus One. That Funky, Funky Four, Four Plus One. Funky Four Plus One more. Yeah, obviously Mike knows who he is, but no, I don't. Actually, taking a look, uh, it looks like uh, it includes. Uh, I thought it was DJ Jazzy. Jeff. No, it's another Jazzy Jeff. It's another it's, Jazzy Jeff. Yeah, it's an MC Jazzy Jeff. Oh, first hip hop act to perform on SNL. First hip hop act to perform live on national television. So it's very groundbreaking. Oh, quite groundbreaking. Wow. Kind of surprised for this sort of thing. We have a news break with Eddie Murphy doing another one of his shots there. Where's Cooter? Sounds... I don't want to know. I don't want to... I have so many things I could say. Anyway, Big Brother. No, not that Big Brother. That wouldn't be for another 19 years. Yeah, we were talking... Yeah, we're talking basically a take on 1984. With Gilbert Gottfried as the guy on the television. Yeah. Gilbert Gottfried is big brother. Okay. Gilbert Gottfried is big brother. It would be that would be hilarious. Gilbert Gottfried is big brother. Yeah, holy at everybody. I can, ima- I can imagine it in 20 years. Greg, please go to the diary room. <laughs> what are you doing, Chicken George? <laughs> Ted, can you imagine Gilbert Godfrey yelling at Chicken George? <laughs> I- I'm done. 
Okay. Oh, speaking of done. Oh boy. Oh, oh yeah. This is this is the one you were. This was the one we were waiting for. This the, the, is this is the one. This this is what uh, broke the camel's back. This is the episode. You bought the ticket. Get ready to take the ride. Episode eleven. Host Charlene Telton, musical guest Todd Rundgren and Prince. Yeah, that's a good musical. Uh, well, not musical act. Those are two good musical acts. And this is when Prince was starting to hit it big. I oh, mean, yeah. Purple Rain wouldn't be like for another three years, but this is when like yep. his, his, like his star was rising. This was controversy. You knew he was going to be immense after controversy. Um, what if the for, oh, this was actually one of the first installments of what what would be Eddie Murphy's uh, main sort of sketch, Mister Robinson's Neighborhood. Classic. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, before we, we talk about more of the uh, the sketches in this episode, the open, the open. It's oh, called yeah. Super Fight. But if you look at the uh, the screen grab, if you're looking at the screen grab I'm seeing, it reminds you of something from about what was it? Maybe about 14 years later, 12 years later. Just about, yeah. Yeah. And if you look at uh, who's involved in this, you know exactly who did this. Mark Wiener. Mark Wiener. If you remember Wienerville on Nickelodeon, where they'd shrink down the people to small size and they'd have like these big heads. Oh, and, yeah. Like, these puppet bodies. That was the open to this. It was a super fight between, uh, I don't know who the, the fighters were, but uh, Joe Piscopo was involved in some capacity. I think unsurprisingly, and and, and on and on Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, I'm guessing in this sketch, there's a cameo appearance by Don King. I would get well since it's called uh, Super Fight. I would assume Don King has a uh, an appearance there. Yeah. Oh, and also uh, they make a an appearance during SNL Sports, and that's where Don King actually appears. Okay. So so Mark Weiner is back with the uh, the Super Fight, the the boxers. But Don King makes an appearance in the SNL Sports version of uh, of the Super Fight. Wow, yeah. Mark Weiner and Don King. Wow, what a mm-hmm. along with Todd Rundgren and Prince. Yeah, only in America. And, and, only in America. And Eddie Murphy doing Stevie Wonder in a sketch titled "A Fiddler Beyond the Roof." You oh. would think that this would be just an absolutely epic episode i mean an absolutely epic episode you'd think that and then you have a running gag throughout the episode since it's charlene tilton and she was on dallas and remember what was happening in 80 81 you had that whole who shot jr thing yeah it's like everything was leading up to that yeah i mean that's basically what the episode was doing is leading up to okay we're gonna say who shot uh, Charles Rocket. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I want to add is it's funny we talk about J- JR. Actually, originally, according to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, Larry Hagman was originally chosen to host, but he refused to do the show, so it went to Charlene Tilton. Good on you, Larry Hagman. I, I, he's too good to be with this cast. I'm sorry. 
Yeah. Larry, Larry Hagman has standards. He was on I Dream of Genie. Uh, but also, let's also remember that Larry Hagman was uh, he was the big fish on Dallas. Charlene Tilton was there too. I mean, she was uh, she was important to Dallas as well, uh, being the young yeah. blonde. But uh, she hey. was no Larry Hagman, oh. not a chance. Oh, she was no Victoria Principal. No, let's she... be honest. Oh, you know no. what? Not even close. And then. The show, okay, everything's going all well and good. Prince is just doing Prince things. There are, it's like there's good, there's really good, and then there's Prince. And then after that performance, we have uh, the good night. We have the cast lining up for the good nights. Charles Rockets in the wheelchair after getting shot, and he's he's smoking a drag, and 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 Charlene's like, I hope you can forgive us for doing this. And Charlie, still in character, just grumbles. I I like to know who the fuck did it. Charlie, how are you feeling after you've been shot? Oh man, it's the first time I've ever been shot in my life. I'd like to know who the fuck did it. <laughs> And this went uncensored because it's live. Uh-huh. And, and who was in the booth when that went down? Oh, probably Fred Silverman? Uh, either Fred Silverman or Dick Ebersol. Probably Dick Ebersol. I think it was Dick Ebersol, but yeah, there was somebody big there, heard this, and literally, like, head started rolling as soon as the, the cameras stopped rolling. Yep. So, yeah, so, so we had a whole lot of changes after this episode. It, it was a bad season to begin with, but once you throw the F-bomb and you're going to get those FCC complaints, yeah. there's no going back. Nope. So now we, now, so now we go to two the weeks week later. after. Or two, weeks two, late, two weeks later. And returning... As host, Bill Murray. Yeah, they needed something to liven up the show from two weeks ago, so they figured, you know what? Bill, can you come back to host an episode? And he did. And and actually, the heads didn't totally start rolling because a lot of the cast was still on this episode. You still had uh, Denny Dillon and Gilbert Gottfried and Gail Matthias and Obviously, Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo, Charles Rocket. Charles Rocket somehow retained his job, even well, though the f bomb got slipped. Well, well, they did do a cold open with Bill and the cast about the negative reviews, <laughs> yeah. and they and they do bring up the fat Charles Rocket's incident. Like, from and and Charlie, Charlie, watch your language. All right. Yeah, it ain't gonna make much of a difference. Sorry if I spoiled anything. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and tell them, don't worry, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter because, uh, frankly, this this episode was just... I'm looking at one sketch and it's giving me the creeps. What is it? There's a sketch called Chapstick, and I'm just going to mention the, the top three people listed in this sketch. Mm-hmm. Denny Dillon as a fan... Gail Mathias is a fan, 
Gilbert Gottfried, apparently this is who they're the fan of. And if you know the whole backstory, this gives you the creeps. Roman Polanski. Moving on! Oh, Moving God. on fast, yes. Okay. I, I should note that in this episode, Bill Murray reprised his role as Nick the Lounge Singer and making a cameo, of course, as Nick's pianist, Paul Schaefer. Nice. Because Very nice. Yes, because remember, Paul Schaefer was part of the original band on Saturday Night Live. And this would be like a year before Late Night with David Letterman started. So mm-hmm. Yeah, because we said that started in February of 82, yes. Yep. And another thing that happened was uh, Walter Cronkite passed the reins to Dan Rather. We have a sketch called Altered Walter with Bill Murray as Walter Cronkite and Joe Piscopo as Dan Rather. Yeah, because Bill Murray played Walter Cronkite on the first uh, run of the show. <laughs> yeah. So. I should note that Bill Murray announced that the next episode would be hosted by Robert Guillaume with musical guest Ian Dury and the Blockheads, but the episode was canceled because, guys, Gene Dominion got replaced as executive producer. Turns out it really did matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Only it did, because after that episode, Gene Demanian got shit-canned. Not just Gene Demanian. Oh, my gosh. Uh, You you had a a number of new cast members coming in uh, who'd actually stick around for a little while. There's some people whose names you don't recognize uh, necessarily, but they're using the term that we use so often, known entities. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, Charles Rocket was fired. Of course. Because, of course, he was. Anne Risley was fired. Because, of course, she was. And Gilbert Gottfried was fired. Because, of course, he was. Replacing them would be Robin Duke, Tim Kazarinski, and Tony Rosato. Wait, Tim Kazarinski? You well, mean here's the, the thing. Officer Sweetchuck? Officer Sweetchuck was on SNL. Now, here's the thing. Robin Duke was not the original choice to replace oh, yeah, Dale or Anne. Yes, because I know who it was supposed to be. You know who it was supposed to be? Catherine O'Hara. Yep, so it was supposed to be another SCTV alum, Catherine O'Hara. But, she's, but she was like a cast member for a day. Her words. She was a cast member for a day. And she, uh, she suggested... Robin Duke, replace her. Well, supposedly the reason why she quit after a day was Michael O'Donoghue gave her the creeps. Which he is wont to do. Yes. But, I mean, Catherine O'Hara now is an Emmy, so... Okay. Well, yeah, she, yeah, she and the entire of the cast of Shit's Creek. Yeah. And they well that, deserve it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a show that we're never going to cover here that's the thing no no absolutely not not after the last week they had oh my god and besides we got plenty of canadian shows we're gonna cover on this podcast (laughs) oh yes hanging in no 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 we're not gonna cover hanging in (laughs) neon rider no (laughs) and we're not gonna talk about wheelchair jimmy brooks either (laughs) No, no 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 of course not we should also note that uh, there were two other cast members that made their only appearance as cast members on this episode, and we use that term loosely. Lori Metcalf. That Lori Metcalf. That Lori Metcalf from Roseanne, yes, and the Connors, yes. And Emily Prager. Who? 
Uh, it says Emily Prager was on the edge of night from 68 to 72. Well, she it was looks like she's better known as a, a writer than a, yeah. uh, anything else. Yeah, she was journalist. credited, but she never appeared. Yeah, that's why I said, you know, was, you know, she sort of was in this episode, but she wasn't. She actually she, uh, appeared in the credits, but didn't appear in the show at all. Yeah. And, and Laurie Metcalf was only in a pre-taped segment for Weekend Update. Yeah. So they didn't even really make real appearances. Well, one made an appearance, but the other didn't even appear at all in the show. And that gives them the notorious distinction for having the shortest stint on SNL history for any cast member. Yeah. And one we'll get, show. And we'll get to the reason why when we get to the end of this. There but, you go. But this episode actually had no host... But the musical guest was Junior Walker and the All-Stars. This was April 11th, by the way. April 11th, 81. So in the cold (laughs) open, we have Chevy Chase walking around the studio, reminiscing about the good times. And then he stumbles upon an old friend. Yeah, Mr. Bill. Classic open. I've seen it. It's great. Yeah. And then he smashes Mr. Bill at the end of the uh, skit. Oh, no. Oh, no. But, oh, we had a great bit here because Chevy did Weekend Update to discuss the season. And, oh, who appears in the, in the Weekend Update bit? Al Franken. And now to talk uh, about the new Saturday Night Live uh, staff and, of course, himself is former Weekend Update correspondent Mr. Al Franken. Yeah. Thanks, Chevy. It's, it's nice to see someone else from the old show. You know, most of you probably know me, Al Franken. From the Al Franken Decade Reports I did last year, or from the Franken and Davis shows that my partner, Tom Davis, and I did over the five years of the original Saturday Night Live. Now, during the past six months... I have suffered countless instances of personal embarrassment from people coming up to me, Al Franken, and saying, hey, Al, Al Franken, are you still writing for the show? Or Al, Al Franken, how's the show going? Well, I'm here tonight to set the record straight. I am not involved in any way with the new Saturday Night Live. Now, there's been a lot of articles on how Saturday night fell apart. Now, here's uh, one in this week's TV guide. And I see, and it's, uh, it's a pretty good one. It's okay, anyway. I don't know if you can see that. But the real story has never fully been told until tonight. And you can believe it because it's coming from me, Al Frank. <laughs> you see, Lorne Michaels, the producer of Saturday Night, decided after last season that it was time to go on to different things. Now, he figured the first season had been great. And then Chevy left. And the show, of course, got even better. (laughs) Then, then after the fourth year, Danny and John left. Now, them, them we missed. So after five golden years, (laughs) Lauren decided to leave. And so did those close to him, including me, Al Frank. <laughs> so NBC had to pick a new producer. Now, most knowledgeable people, as you might imagine, hoped it would be me, 
Al Franken. <laughs> but instead, without consulting the show's staff or cast, NBC picked Gene Demania, an associate producer on the show. Now, I don't want to be cruel to Gene, because it might make you think less of me, Al Franken. <laughs> Anyway, it took NBC 12 shows to figure out their horrendous mistake, and a month ago, they fired Gene. Okay, now, who do they pick to rectify the original error? Someone who knows what he's doing? Someone like me, Al Franken? No, they pick Dick Ebersol. Now, I know Dick because he was a network executive in charge of late-night programming when Saturday night started, and as such was the first person to steal credit for the success of Saturday Night. <laughs> credit which should rightfully go to Lorne Michaels and me, Al Frank. <laughs> now let me give you some background on Dick, Mr. Humor Ebersol. His credits include The Waverly Wonders, starring Joe Namath, Roller Girls, and a show called Joe and Valerie about a kid from Brooklyn who dances every night at a disco. Now, to this day, Dick claims that he never saw Saturday Night Fever and that it was all an amazing coincidence. Anyway, I know Dick, and I can tell you that he doesn't know Dick. <laughs> and he argued that 1980 was going to... The 1980s were going to be... The Al Franken Decade. Yup. And it was. It was the Al Franken Decade. I mean, he was the one-man mobile unit in the 1988 presidential election on this. And, and during the Gulf War, too. Oh, the yeah. guy, I forgot he did that. He did that same at the Gulf War. Yeah, that was amazing. Yes, he did, back in 90 and 91. Yes, that he was... was in the Gulf War. Yep. <laughs> so, we have all that, and... um. If there was one more firing on that episode. It was Don Pardo's last episode as announcer until season eight. Yeah, yeah you can't keep a good guy down. Yeah, he because yeah because he was the announcer for eighty one eighty two. So, but he came back. I think it was because Michael O'Donoghue didn't like him. Also on this episode, uh, since there was no host, we, we had a, a, a mishmash of, uh, of different people. Rotating there actually people. was a, uh, a, a sketch. It really wasn't a sketch. There was a segment called Friends, and it had Chevy Chase. And listen to this. These are two big names from 1980-81. Yes. You had Christopher Reeve, mm -hmm. Superman. And then you had Robin Williams, who would have been Mork at the time. But also around that time, around 80. 81, he would have been in the Popeye movie. And he was still on Mork and Mindy at the time. That's uh -huh. why I said, yeah, he was on Mork and Mindy at the time. So. But, uh, but also, it should be noted, I noticed Christopher Reeve and Robin Williams were actually like classmates at Juilliard. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah, because I, I remember Robin Williams talking about it after Christopher Reeve died. And after a film about a bag lady and junior walker the all-stars that would be the show that that's that, your season more or less that's yeah. your season yeah because it, originally i should note al franken mentioned that the following week him and tom davis would be hosting saturday night live with the grateful dead but 
there was a writer's strike the following week, mm-hmm. and that basically ended the season. So it basically was a blessing in disguise for Dick Ebersol because it made him quietly try to retool the show for the following year. But we do know what episodes were canceled. Oh, and yeah. We, we mentioned the Robert Guillaume and Ian Dury and the Blockheads. Yes. And, and we just mentioned Tom Davis and Al Frank. And, oh, my gosh, that would have been amazing. That would have been a flashback back to the 70s. And the Grateful Dead. Musical. And the Grateful Dead, yes. Oh, oh that my gosh, that would have been so amazing. amazing. And, and continuing the amazement, April 25th of 81 would have been Dan Aykroyd and Pat Benatar. Was there oh. anybody hotter in 81 than Pat Benatar? And the amazing thing is, and I, I didn't even realize this, Dan Aykroyd didn't host the show until 2003. What? Yeah, I, I'm sure he probably came back for like the odd cameo appearance here or there, but yeah, he didn't return to host the show until 03. That's amazing. Which is hard mm-hmm. to believe considering how many times Chevy and Bill hosted. Absolutely. And uh, uh, speaking in the same group there, May 2nd of 81 was Steve Martin, or supposed to be Steve Martin, and musical guest, again, another huge name, Neil Young. Yeah. And, and uh, again, sit down because the big names from the early 80s and, and beyond are just flowing in these last two episodes. May 9th of 1981 was supposed to be Brooke Shields. Now, remember, Brooke Shields was the hottest thing in, like, 1980, uh, uh-huh. doing the jeans ads. Uh, she was absolutely on fire. Blue Lagoon. Blue Lagoon oh, yeah. would have been about around that time. Yeah, I think that was 81. Uh, but then the musical guest, again, mind blown, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Whoa. Just That's whoa. big. And, and then for the season finale, are you oh, ready? Oh, this is a good one. Buck Henry who would go on to be a 10-time host, and Aria Speedwagon. Oh, gosh. Another great host and a great musical act. Mm. They actually had some really great uh, lineups, hosts, and musical guests for the canceled episodes. Yep. Damn writer Strike. Yeah. yeah. Darn, darn, well, Darn writer Strike, and also I think you can add into that Darn Season 6 of SNL. Oh that, yeah, that, that almost killed it. Uh, I'll tell. I'll tell you right now. Tom Shales. He's basically summing up everything that was written about this season. About when he said this, "Quote: Vile from New York. It's Saturday night. The show was a snide and sordid embarrassment that imitated the ribaldry and willingness to prod sacred cows without having the least compensating satirical edge." It was just haplessly, pointless, tastelessness. From the six new performers and 13 new writers hired for the show, viewers got virtually no good news. Jean made it clear that she was primarily at fault. It's got to be funnier. And then she put a tape in the, in the video cassette machine to begin a sketch-by-sketch critique. And she did so, according to a writer. She said, watch this, and I hope you hate it, because you wrote it. Ouch. Ooh. Ow. That's so, harsh. Yeah. That hurt. I mean, yeah. that that was... I need to go have a drink hurt. Yeah, that stings. That's, that's t- very harsh. So, but... 
Saturday Night Live would give another shot. And tell you right now, season seven, it was weird, but it started to look a little bit familiar. So the show, while it got back, you know, some of its glory, I mean, you can't do as bad as season six. In my opinion, it really didn't get back to, you know, really must see hilarious TV until uh, 86, 87 season. Lauren Michaels coming back. and With Lauren Michaels, and you had your, John Lovitz, and you had Kevin Nealon, and Victoria Dana Jackson. Carvey. Oh, I mean, we could just, like, talk all day about, you know, the, the people that came aboard in, in that season and uh, the impact that they had uh, uh-huh. for at least, like, the ne- next five years, uh, even longer. But I should note, you know, in the early 80s, basically you had, like, Eddie Murphy and Joe Pisco basically keeping that show afloat in the early to mid-80s. And, of course, you, you'd have, like, some notable cast members come here or there. You had uh, some woman from Chicago by the name of Julia Louis-Dreyfus in 82. Never heard of her. You had some comedy writer coming in fresh off of Fridays by the name of Larry David. Never heard of him. And then you had a couple of uh, people show up in 84, 85, like uh, uh, Billy Crystal. Never yeah, heard of Never him. heard of him. And Martin Short. Oh, he's, oh, Martin Short, he's such, he is such a genius, I must say. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, are we talking about Ed Grimley? Uh, yeah, future yeah, oh, you know where I'm going with future Ed Grimley. The Ed Grimley cartoon. Yeah, I'm referring to the Ed Grimley cartoon, which we're gonna cover one day. Yes. Oh, I'm gonna go mental when we cover it. <laughs> are, are you gonna get your shrine of Pat Sajak ready? I'm oh. gonna get my shrine of Pat Sajak, and I'm gonna put a little board on a little wheel on it. I must say. <laughs> I did you I think oh god you had to think because it was on NBC that Pat Sajak had to have had a cameo on that You would think so. I don't remember one though. Was it Wheels in Los Angeles, SNL's in New York. So well but Pat Sajak did make a cameo on Rugrats, so, which we are going to cover. But mm-hmm. that's years down the road. Uh, that is that is that is years down the road, and that's another episode for another day. But uh, and, and yeah, needless to say, the show has recovered nicely since uh, we're, we're talking about uh, season six, uh, yeah, right before the premiere of season forty-six. This is mm-hmm. the fortieth anniversary of that season. Oh yeah, God! Well, we may not want to remember say that. Is Chris Rock, don't screw this up. Hey. He's on Fargo now, and everyone's talking about how this season of Fargo is going to be great with him in it. Yes, so. yes. But uh, SNL, but Saturday Night Live eighty, the Gene Demanian season, perhaps the worst thing on TV. But hey, you got Malcolm McDowell in drag, so it's all good. True. That's the end. Well, I guess so, unless yeah. you have something to say, Mike. Oh, guys, get ready. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, Greg, are you sitting down? Oh, fuck. What is it? <laughs> you know what it is. It's time for... Play the music. Yeah. Play, play the music. Play the it, it's time for the end of the show. Oh. <laughs> Bro, 
They've been sitting Not there. Not cool, man. Bro, they've been. Not cool, it's, man. It's me, Vince Russo. I'm here from the truck at NBC. Charlie Rocket has just cursed the storm. He wants to know who the F did it. And they want to know who shot CR. Who shot CR? Who, who, who shot Johnny Rocket? Yeah. Afterwards, they're all, we're all me and Malcolm McDowell and Don Porto. We're going to go to Johnny Rockets, and we're going to have a bunch of cheeseburgers there. <laughs> well, once you get those cheeseburgers, why don't you uh, sit back and listen to a little bit of our podcast. And you can get all the previous episodes at itwasathingontv.com. And uh, enjoy that with a little drink, something uh, to wash down the burger. And uh, and then as a uh, a little appetizer or after an after dinner snack, how about you go to our socials? How about you go to Facebook and you go to Twitter or Instagram or Tumblr or the Discord? Uh, at most of those places, we're at. Uh, it was the thing on TV. Uh, just as a general reminder, this was episode ninety-seven. Oh, we're on the cusp of greatness, I think. We're, we're the on the cusp of something. We're three episodes. The hundred, away. three episodes. Yes, three episodes, and we're uh, we got a lot of stuff that's coming. Um, and actually, I'm not going to ask Greg to spill the beans on this, but there's something he's working on, which may or may not be done in time for the hundredth episode. We'll see. Uh, it, it's a big endeavor, and he just started it within the last like week or so, and uh, it's amazing what he's done. I'm just going to say that. Uh, but also do, on top of the that, work, the work I do for this podcast, let me tell you, you're doing God's work, Greg. I don't make a dime off this. Hey, nobody makes a dime. Nobody makes a dime off this. And, and you know what? In about uh, two or three weeks, I'm going to have to pay for the hosting for another year and the, uh, the, uh, the dot com name. So guess what? It's coming out of my pocket, guys. You're, you're not paying that. No, hold up. I'm paying for the cost of the Zoom subscription. So, Oh. What, what am well, I paying for? Anyway. You're, you're, you're paying the price by just being here. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And, uh, but before we get to all of that, before we get to all of that, I feel like we should take a break. I feel like we should take a break, and we're going to be taking a break on the next episode. Trust me on this. Ah, I see what you did there. Yeah, we're going to take a little break, and it's going to be a, a weird little break. I like, you like the weird episodes, don't you? Yeah, you'll see what we mean by a weird little break. Yeah. But that's next week. But, yeah, so we're like a week and a half away from 100, and big stuff is definitely coming down the pipe. I can tell you that. So you're a week and a half away from that, and you're just a couple of days away from episode 98 of It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks, as always, for listening. We'll catch you on Thursday. Wow! Saturday Night Live will be back in two weeks when our host will be Bill Murray. This is Don Pardo saying... I'm the one who shot Charlie Rocket. I found him fooling around with my wife, the lovely Mrs. Don Pardo. I used a Smith & Wesson 32, which I purchased from the Spiegel catalog. Chicago, 60609. Good night.